if you give me a lot of amen, that end faster. If you give me no end amen, I have to preach longer to know that you actually know what I'm saying. So you want me to finish quickly, just keep on saying? Amen. <laughs> there you go. Hallelujah. So we started a series of teaching called Matters of the Heart. And what we have been doing for the last couple of weeks is going through the scripture, find uh, scriptures that speaks to the heart, and then we take those and we, 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 we apply them to our lives. So we started out by looking at when my heart is overwhelmed, that whole story of David going through a difficult time with, with his family and how he ran to the Lord when his heart was overwhelmed. Then last week we said that we need to guard our heart because out of it flows the issues of life. And we said two things we must do. We must pay attention to the truth and we must pay attention to our attitude, meaning what we see, what we hear and where we go. And we issued a challenge to every person in terms of how you can pay attention to the truth and protect your attitude. That is to read for 15 minutes a day. And we said if you read for 15 minutes a day, 250 words a minute, right? For one year, you'll read approximately 20 books with an average page of 350. All right? And so that was a challenge. If you're here last week and you have started reading for at least 15 minutes, keep your hands down. All right? All right let, me, let me ask the question again. So if you, if you are if you're here last week, and you are reading for 15 minutes a day. Keep your, put your hand up. All right. One, two, three, four. All right. So you're reading for more than 15 minutes a day? All right. All right. If you're not reading, uh, John Maxwell says this. He says, readers are leaders. He says, the person who leads you and influences you just have a little bit more information than you because you have just read something more than you. All right. So read. All right. If you don't like to read, you'll be read. So get into a habit of reading, especially for the masculine gender. Right? You have, we have to, men, men, most men that I interact with don't like to read. All right? So we have to develop a habit of reading, especially with our sons. Let them read, especially God's truth, so they can apply the truth. So this morning, we're going to talk about uh, the troubled heart. And the particular scripture we're going to use is a scripture from St. From John chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, you want to turn there with me. St. John chapter 14 from verse 1 to 6. We're going to focus on verse 1. And this is a scripture that if you have ever been to a funeral, they read it there. There's no funeral this morning. It's just, it's just, it, it was a funeral that Jesus was at when he did this. So I just figure, let's use it in the context that Jesus did because he was not at a funeral. But this is one of the common funeral scriptures. Where I go, you will be also. I've gone to prepare a place for you. Mansion in the sky. When you die, you're going to be a mansion in the sky. And nobody talks about what you ought to do when you're alive. So this scripture is telling you about a person, a place, and a promise while you live. The person is Jesus, the place is in him, and the promise is in him. So the scripture is not talking about life after death. It's also speaking about life here on earth. That there's a person to trust in, there's a promise to believe, and there's a place to live. 
And all three places are in the same person in Jesus Christ. Amen? So I've given you enough time to find John chapter 14. If you have not done so yet, you can look at the overhead. We stand for the reading of God's word. So if you stand with me for the reading of the word, then you get to sit down and I stand for the rest of the sermon. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your Bibles up. If it's on your phone, it's okay. And say with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me read for you quickly. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you. So that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord. Thomas said. We have no idea where we are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you'll open our eyes to see your truth. Open our ears to hear your voice. Open our minds to understand your word and our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. We want to be more than mere hearers of your word, but doers also. Change us from the inside out, Lord God. Bring change, confirmation, conviction. Challenge us to a better life in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Now, uh, if, if you follow international politics, you will, you'd have heard the story of um, Tony Snow. Tony Snow is this former press secretary um, for President George Bush, right? And there's a very interesting story about him. He had this battle with cancer for many years. In fact, it took his life very early, right? Um, and so he was asked during the time of his ailment if he had learned any lessons through his ongoing battle with cancer. And this is what he said. We want lives of simple, predictable ease, smooth, even trials as far as the eye can see. But God likes to go off-road. And I think that's just a, a, a nice thing. God likes to go off-road. We have this idea that life must be on this nice highway, no issues, no problems, no bumps, no potholes, no, no hindrance to our journey. No, no, I mean, in fact, we want to have those things that once you get to the toll, you know, it, it just opens up and you go all the way through. Nothing must stop us. Nothing should block us. Life should be problem-free. I mean, how many of you would really enjoy having a life with no problems? I'm telling you. I mean, and then there are some of us, listen, you just, you just want just a few problems, like one per year problem, that is enough for you. 
All right. How many of you want like a life just full of problems because you know that problems are good? It helps to build you. Like, like, nobody really wants problems, right? Even if you believe that problems will make you stronger, you figure that, well, I can still get strong without problems. That, that's like me. Like, like I, I don't need problems. Listen, God, you want me to be strong? I, I just tell me where and I'll do it. Don't give me no problems. Right? Amen? Most of us would want them, want that. We don't want trouble. We don't want pain. We don't want delays. We don't want to be denied anything. We just don't want trouble. But trouble, like, like, trouble is always there. You're either, trouble is either trying to get into you, or you're trying to get out of it. But, but, but trouble is always lurking. Like you have marital trouble, you have money trouble, you have... Listen, the person who is married have marital trouble. The person who is divorced have divorce trouble. The person who is single have single trouble. The man without money have money troubles. The man with money has money troubles. The man who serve God have godly troubles. And the man who serve the devil have devil troubles. Like, like it don't matter who you are, the educated people have troubled. And the uneducated people... Have troubled. Slim people have troubles, and people who are not so slim have troubles. Right? Because in this world, you only have slim people and not so slim people. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but there are days when it just seems like troubles surround us. We see troubles in, in corporate corruption and greed have created an economic nightmare right i mean you see just this morning they were saying that inflation in the united states is the highest it has ever been in the last 40 years all right listen we don't want to talk about jamaica i mean we don't even check inflation anymore we are like like come on we, we like we, we don't even try to all right my friend is from the boj so he knows what i'm talking about right he knows that we stop calculating inflation it's too high like like just we just say okay we just live in a inflation growing nation just like don't even check it right but it's serious like all over chaos and problems and troubles all over the world violence permeates our street and it rears its ugly head, hidden behind closed doors in homes next door or even down the street. People are just dying. I mean, people are being robbed. It don't matter anymore. I mean, again, on the news, somewhere in Las Vegas or Los Angeles last night, somebody cracked, hit a window and broke it. And the, there was chaos. People got injured because everybody thought it was one more shooter on the loose. And they, in fact, they have arrested the person because when he broke the glass, it sounded like gunshots and the entire shopping mall was in a frenzy. People got trampled on. These are the things that are happening in our world. Disaster, natural disaster affecting people all over. Personal tragedies and sorrows grip the hearts of our families, our friends, and our neighbors. It's not a new phenomenon. Trouble is as old as time, and there's nothing new about troubles. Think about this Old Testament example, right? Joseph was troubled by a dysfunctional family and social injustice. You think you have trouble in your family? Check out Joseph's family. His own brothers never liked him. 
over a coat that was homemade. It, it wasn't one, from one of our fancy stores. It wasn't from Old Navy or from Armani or Versace. It was homemade. And his brothers were jealous of him. So much that they orchestrated his murder. And somebody felt bad and said, really, we can't do that. Instead, they said, they, 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 they sold him. Imagine your own brothers selling you as a slave to others. Then he gets there and there's social injustice. Oh my God, talk about it. People are not being treated fairly. Because everybody thinks everybody must be treated the same way. And it is unfair to treat everyone the same way. Tell your neighbor, you can't treat everybody the same way. That's unfair. Listen, you don't treat your son how you treat your wife. Relationships determine how we treat people. We must love them all. But we have to understand that how I talk to my first son is not the same way I talk to my second son. But I love them the same because they have different emotions and they respond to things differently. Right? Moses was troubled by the Egyptian army on one side and the Red Sea on the other side. Rahab was troubled by her past. Gideon was troubled by his insecurities. All of these and more are Old Testament examples of trouble. So what can we do when trouble come our way? Because I guarantee you, if you live in this life, trouble will come. Some of us go looking for trouble. But right now, I can tell you, trouble is probably heading to your address. What is the solution when we have a troubled heart? When our hearts are troubled by all the happenings around us. When the space around us is closing in. When it is filled with darkness. When our needs and our desires are not being met. When we feel alone and broken. When we have many things to contemplate. Many things to consider. When we have bills to pay and family to take care of. What do we do when we have a troubled heart? When we are concerned about our sons and our daughters. We are concerned about university. We are concerned about their safety. What do we do when we are troubled? These disciples were troubled at this point. Because the one that... Everything about them was banked on is about to leave. Have you ever felt that way? The thing that you feel most dear to is about to leave your life. And you want to hang on to it for dear life. This is the state that Jesus finds them in. So Jesus gave the prescription for troubled hearts in a simple and sure manner. The only solution for a troubled heart is trust. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. If you want to deal with a troubled heart. Then trust in God. Because when you start trusting in God. Your heart will not be troubled. Because the scripture says this. If you go back to verse 1 it says. Do not let your heart be troubled. How? By trusting in God. Trust also in me. When I trust in God, my heart is not troubled. Come on, tell your neighbor. When you trust in God, your heart is not troubled. 
just need to trust in God. I need to trust in God because that removes all the troubled stuff from my heart. In fact, the Webster's says that the, the word trouble means to produce physical disorder or to put into confused motion or to become mentally agitated. So when I'm troubled, when the scripture says, don't let your heart be troubled, it is saying, don't let your heart be in physical disorder. All right, if you understand scripture, every time God pours out his glory, order was established first. So order always precedes glory. If the glory of the Lord is going to be upon you, then order must be in your heart. If your heart is disorganized and troubled, it's going to be very difficult for you to experience the glory of God in your life. Make sense? All right? So, it also means uh, to become mentally agitated. So last week we said this, when we talk about the heart, the scripture normally refers that to, it speaks of three things. When heart is used, it talks about your mind, as a man thinketh in his heart. It talks about your will. It talks about intention. It talks about your emotions. So it says when your heart, it also means to be mentally agitated. When your heart is troubled, it's, the scripture is saying, do not let your heart be mentally agitated. Referring to your mind. Don't let your mind be mentally agitated. We get mentally agitated by stuff. In fact, the, 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 the English word for trouble comes from the Anglo-French word, troubler, or T-R-U-B-L-E-R, and the Latin, turbulier. This is where we get the word turbulence from. So when you say your heart is troubled, there is a turbulent heart. The Greek word for trouble is tarasso, which means to agitate, to terrify, to disquiet, to unsettle, or to perplex. Don't let your heart be perplexed. Don't let your heart be perplexed. Let nothing perplex your heart. Let nothing unsettle your heart. Let nothing disquiet your heart. Let nothing terrify your heart. And the only way to do that is to trust in God. If I trust in God, there's nothing that can perplex my heart. So the question is, are we trusting in God? When I remove trust in God, my heart gets troubled. And then a whole set of things start to happen. So when Jesus tells the disciples to not let their hearts be troubled, he's not saying that they would not go through difficulties. He, listen, he's not, it's kind of amazing because Jesus right here is not planning on stopping what is about to happen. He, he said to them, listen, 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 everything that you believe is going to happen, I have told you that it's going to happen. It is going to happen. But don't let your heart be troubled. Jesus is not removing difficulties. He's saying that in difficulties, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in me. Here is what we want. We want everything to be removed so we can trust in God. God says, no, when everything stays as it is, still trust in me. And your heart will not be troubled. He isn't planning on removing difficulties. Have you ever prayed, God, 
God, can you remove this teacher from the classroom? She's just troubling me, Jesus. I need a new teacher. God, if you send a new teacher, I'll be the best student. Listen, no matter who your teacher is, trust in the Lord. I wonder who, did, I wonder who is going to answer the prayer because the teacher is praying, God, just remove this student from out of my class because they're just troubling me. <laughs> I think like sometimes God hears our prayers. He just sit and laugh. Say, you two believers, you. Go sit down and enjoy life. I think like, like, he maybe just sit there and say that. Listen, you're there in that room praying for your husband to change and he's praying for you to change. Which one of you should I answer? (laughs) Right? But instead, Jesus was telling them not to allow difficulties to shake their trust in him are the father. That's what he's saying. Jesus is saying, listen, when the difficult times come, don't allow those things to shake your trust in him. When the troubles come in life, when the bad things come in life, don't let them affect you. Trust in him. And, and I, I say this way, listen, why, why do I trust in him? I'm not trusting, watch this, I don't trust God because of the answer God gives me. I trust God because of his character. So, God is good in spite of what I am going through. Whether my prayer is answered or not, or answered how I want it to be answered or not, God is still good. My, my, my trust is not based on how God answers. My trust is based on who God is. If nothing changes, God is good. If I never get healed, God is good. My faith in God, my trust in God, is not in the result. It is in the who he is, not the what he does. I I hope you get that right. Because the next time when you pray and nothing changes, smile. Say, God, you're good. Because God's answer can only be a good answer. Whatever that answer is. If you trust God's character, whatever God's answer is, it has to be his character. So when you pray, what character do you see in God? If you pray and say God is good, if he says no, that's a good answer. If he says next week, it's a good answer. If he says 10 years, it's a good answer. If you don't hear anything, it's still a good answer. Because the answer doesn't change his character. Trust in the Lord. So Jesus understood what they did not. Jesus understood that he came to die and not to rule an earthly kingdom. And here the disciples are getting agitated because they're thinking, how could you call us and say, come follow you and now you leave us? You, you, you call us. We were doing well. I was catching like boatloads of fish. You said I should come and follow you. I left my boat. I left my net. And after three years, you're telling me that you're gone? After three years of marriage, you're walking out on me? You said I should get qualified and not get promoted. And then you go and hire someone else from outside the company? 
You said, mommy, you said if I did this, you'd buy me a car. And now you're telling me that you don't have the money. Dad, but you promised, dad, you said, dad, I just need to get all A's. You're not a good father anymore. Because if you're a good father, you just buy me the rolls rice. feel like that but but see because God knows the end from the beginning he knows all of the story we just know the past part of the story and the present part of the story let me say it again God knows all of the story we just know the past parts of the story because we can't remember all of it and the present part of the story. God has the whole book going through. Amen? So Jesus came to suffer and to be the savior that we desperately need. Jesus saw that there would be situations and circumstances that could shake their faith. So he said to them, don't let your heart be troubled. And the same could be said of us. There are times when our trust in God could be shaken. And there are six common what I call trust troublers. If these things are in your life, if these six things are in your life, you're going you're to have heart troubles. You're going to have a troubled heart. Number one, number one, worry. And worry is a sign that you're not trusting God. Why worry when you can pray? What are you worrying about? What, what are you worrying about? It says in, in, in Luke 12, 29 to 31, And do not set your hearts on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. Now, this is very good, right? Look at your neighbor and say to them, Whatever it is, do not worry about it. You don't need to know about it. Whatever it is, the scripture says, Do not worry about it. Do not worry about it. Do not worry about it. Worry will destroy relationships in your home. It will destroy relationships at the workplace. It will destroy relationships at church. Do not worry about it. People are worried about the trip. Let me just read the scripture, all right? right? Because the best thing to answer our questions is not what the pastor says, it's what the Bible says. For the pagan world runs after all such things. Right? We are worried about things that the pagan world wants. As children of God. It says, and your father. So the question is, is if, he, if he is your father, put your hand up. And your father knows that you need them. Right? But seek his kingdom And these things will be what? Given to you as well. So the scripture is saying, listen, God knows what you need. Seek him. And the things that you are worried about, they will be given to you. Because worry can't bring them into your life. Only God can. Only your father can. The second thing is self-reliance. Right? If self-reliance is in your heart, you're going to have a troubled heart. 
What, what self-reliance mean? I can do, I can do it by myself. Listen, listen. I will, I will do what I want to do. I will get my life fixed up. I'm going to clean up my life and then I'm going to start going to church. Once I clean up my life, I'm going to give my life to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, you know I really want to give my life to you, but I have to fix up myself first. No, 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 no. The scripture says self-reliance will cause your heart to be troubled. Listen, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. In other words, those who seek the way of the world for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitudes of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen. He says this, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. In other words, here's what happened. The people, here's what happened to the people. The people stopped seeking God and started going after the things of the world. They they thought that if the world were able to protect me, I would have all the protection. The scripture says, woe to those people who run after things of the world instead of seeking God for help. In other words, I can't live in self-reliance. I must know this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The, The other thing that is a heart trouble tester or a test of troubles is doubt. You doubt God. Now, doubt is kind of funny because doubt is one of those things that you don't even know that is bothering you. Because, because you believe, you think you don't doubt. But do you know you can still, you can believe on doubt at the same time? Oh, pastor, that's not possible. How can I believe and have doubts? Well, I believe many things, but I doubt. In other words, if you came to me and said, hey, you know what? I just bought myself a brand new car. I believe you. But I have some doubts. Because based on the last time I heard about your finances, it, it, could, be, it could not be so. But, but I believe you, you know. Because I know you to be true. But I have doubts. So you can believe, but still have doubts. You can believe the person, but still have doubt about it. Watch this. So James says it this way. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. In other words, James is saying, you can believe and doubt and you can believe and not doubt. You can believe and have doubts and you can believe and not doubts. James says the one who believes and doubts is like a wave of wind blown away. And that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. It didn't say they will not receive anything. It says that they will not receive anything from the Lord. Because they can still receive things. It's just that God cannot give anything to a person who doubts while they claim that they believe. The other one is disbelief. So this is where this is a little bit different from doubt. Because you can believe on doubt but when you disbelieve you also are filled with doubt. Disbelief is why Hebrews 11.6 is important. It says and without faith. In other words without believing. It is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him do, do what? Must. Must. 
believe. If you come to him, you must. Come on, just say it. You must. You must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Whenever you read the scripture again, I want you to highlight the first part in the Bibles. I'm going to teach you something. Before you get to the reward part, there is the existence part. The existence has to do with his character. The reward has to do with his actions. The problem is, our faith is normally, I said it earlier, our faith is normally in his actions and not in his character. The scripture is teaching us that anyone who comes to God, you have to first believe in the character of God. Because believing in the character of God determines the reward that you get. If you don't believe in the character, you won't understand the action. You, you, you following me? If, if you have a relationship with me, Odin, when Odin said to me, Pastor, we're coming down on Sunday, I make preparation. We started making preparation. Because I know his character. So though I had not yet seen his actions, right? I made preparation. His action is now that he's here. But the preparation was made based on his promise. And that promise I believe because of his character. With God, come on. When I trust God's character, I begin to make preparation before the promise arrives. See, here's what we do. Anytime you read Hebrews 11 verse 6. If you don't get this, you're going to miss the entire Hebrews 11 verse 6. A lot of times what we do is that we wait on the action to determine the character. So when we have seen God heal, we call him healer. Hebrews is saying that you have to believe that God is healer. Prepare for your healing and then you will see the promise. Let me say it again. Every preparation, right, was made for Odin before he left from Kingston. To be here. We had a slot for him and a word. And that word is because we trust his character. Until you begin to believe in the character of God, you will not experience the reward of God. Your heart is going to be troubled. L- l- listen, we'll go on a, a little further. Then sin. Sin is also one of those testers. Um, trouble testers. I call them. If sin is in your life, your heart is going to be troubled. The scripture says, declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. The whole world. Alright, so we are in the world, but we are not of the world. So mean that now, when we were in the world, we were prisoners of sin. Meaning, we had no choice but to sin. Amen? There was a time when you had no choice. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Until we are reborn by the Spirit, we have no choice but to sin. When we sin now, we sin by choice. As a child of God, you sin by choice. How many people believe that you cannot sin? Anybody believe that you cannot sin? Uh, Alright, that, that's the first problem. Some of you don't believe you cannot sin, so you're going to always sin. So let me show you how I know that you cannot sin. How many of you get up every day and say, boy, 
Hey, yeah, y'all say, hey, hey, um, ha, Oran, hey, boy, me, me just a try find somebody for murder today, no man. Boy, me I tell you, ah, boy, me, whom, whom we killed today, man? We, we will find somebody for murder today. Because we just love murder people. You don't wake up and do that. You know why? Because you hate murder so much that it doesn't cross your mind to do it. And that is why most of you have never committed murder. You know why some of us gossip? And because we don't hate gossip. We don't hate gossip like how we hate murder. The point I'm making to you, the sin what you're doing, you love it. Because the day you hate it, you stop it. So you can't stop sin. You're comfortable with the one you're doing. Any day you get, listen, if you're drinking and getting drunk, the day when you hate drinking, you never want to bar anymore. The reason why you sin is because you love it. Shun the very, all the scriptures point to those things, Pastor Ray, don't it? Like, like, until you hate the thing, you're going to do it. I could call others. There's a reason why certain things don't entice you. Because you know deep down in your heart, so you couldn't live with yourself. I could not live with myself if I tell a lie. So you don't lie. I could not live with myself if I, if I just bad mind somebody so I don't bad mind. I'm just giving the examples. The sin that you hate, you will stop doing. The sin that you love, you will keep doing. So if you want to stop sin, start hating it. Number six is fear. It says, in God whose word I, pray, whose word I praise, in God I trust. Come on, say it with me. In God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? That's Psalm 56 verse where it says, In God I trust, I will not be afraid. When you trust in God, it drives out all fear. People always ask me, Pastor, at them, them Monday, you sit up with no man can do me. Listen, listen, listen. There's not a thing that man can do to me that God can't undo. If they take my life, God can resurrect it. If they make me sick, God can heal it. Listen, if they treat me bad, God can turn the, blessing, the curse into a blessing. There's nothing that man can do to me that God cannot undo by his great power. My confidence is in God. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. So I don't fear of no demon, no devil. I, I'm not afraid of them. I'm not afraid of no bad man. I use wisdom, but I'm not afraid of them. What if them have gone? Listen, my, my father have a bigger gun than that man. My father have angels. But, but I'm a murderer, pastor. We are talking about then my, my father no walk with murderers, man. Look what time my, my, my sweet Jesus, then a crowd, a crowd of people, and everybody know who he is. And by the time them child will even disappear and just move out of the crowd, and nobody can find him again and just turn up in our next crowd. They know it's in the Bible. You know, many times that his time had not yet come. Jesus in the crowd, them trying to get him, and him just gone. No disciples, no nobody know how he move out of the crowd. He just, 
Jesus, God have a way of when you're in danger to cause you to take for yourself. <laughs> you never know. You just say, move by the spirit and you're gone. And you say, somebody dead down the road. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, say, so God is like that. You don't need to fear. It happened to Jesus. You think the, people think like, oh my God, I was just there. I miss it by my skin. You don't miss it by no skin of your teeth. God did it. It's not something new. It happened with Jesus. Until his time came, they couldn't touch him. No matter what crowd he was in. The man all walking at the big old city of Jerusalem. Pastor Rhea. Stand up on the temple. And them say, where is Jesus? And they see him over there. Somebody tell me what they didn't count. Where, where is the temple? He's gone. Them hear him down the road in our next crowd. Them bring the high priest and everybody there. And them go there and say, alright, we'll hold him now. He's gone. Angels are on. Look out. Hallelujah. So, I need not... Fear. All right. So, so now I tell you all of these things that cause you to doubt. You may be saying, well, Pastor, well, you, you just tell us how to have a troubled heart. That means all of we convinced now that we have a troubled heart. So I'm going to give you the solution very quickly. How to overcome a troubled heart. Here it is. John 16, 33. I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Right? So remember that trouble is not something new that we have to deal with. Trouble has been with us since Adam ate the forbidden fruit. And trouble will be with us until Jesus returns to reclaim and restore creation. We see troubles throughout the New Testament, not just in the Old Testament. The disciples were troubled when they were on the boat caught in a storm. Jesus was with them. Sometimes, church, it don't matter how close you are to Jesus. They say in Jamaica, when trouble take you, pit in the shot fit you, man. When, when, when trouble take you, you forget, say, oh, you're the right beside Jesus. People there in a church and get the most troubling message and start ball and run out of church and gone. Instead of they run to the altar, you know, people, brother, what do you mean? People there in a church, you know, and hear bad message, you know. You know what them do? They leave church, you know. Them leave church in a misery and brokenness. They're right in the house of the garden, God, you know. And them get a phone call. Say, Mama, the hospital, Lord Jesus Christ, Mama, the hospital, Jesus, we are going to leave church. I'm saying, oh, hold on. Then, you're not supposed to stay and pray in the house of God for Mama. People run out of the church in misery. Miserable. Right? The disciples are right beside Jesus. And still face trouble. Jesus himself was troubled when he said that one of his own disciples would betray him. Sitting right there, he says, Hey, one of you that the one the one we are taking the bread right now, you know, the one you're gonna betray me, you know. <laughs> like it's that simple, you know. Hey, Pastor Bray. You see the one we are taking the bread from me right now? You must go betray me. You know? <laughs> Here's the bread. <laughs> you understand me? <laughs> Jesus kind of like he kind of knew like what was happening. Do you know that Judas was right at the table eating with Jesus? People them just had some fig and some grape and some pomegranate and all of those things. Eat up that and drink up some nice juice ready to get down into the wine right now. And right there the scripture said, the devil would enter Judas' heart. Have you ever wondered how could he be so close and the devil got in? Because his problem didn't start at the table. His problem started in his heart. He had a money problem that he was so worried about. 
he didn't trust that God could provide. So he sold out Jesus. See, if you don't have trust in God, when trouble takes you, you're going to sell out Jesus. Just like Judas. Jesus told the disciples that they should expect trouble in, in, in life. And trouble is one of the realities of life that we can simply expect. So he tells them several things that we can learn from. The first thing he tells them is that trouble requires us to have a proper perspective. You have to have a proper perspective. Look through the eyes of the spirit when you're in your problems and in your troubles. When Jesus was visit, visited the home of Mary and Martha, a problem arose between the sisters. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and Martha was busy um, with the preparation for the guests. After a while, Martha gets upset and Mary calls her to the carpet. Martha asks Jesus if he really cares that Mary has left her high and dry with the work to be done. Have you ever said like what? Boy, God, may I tell you, say, you, you may marry this person here, and God, you don't care about me. Them not going to help me in the house. And me, I feel cook. And me, I feel wash. And me, I feel clean. And me, I feel help with the kids. God, me tired, Jesus. God, change them heart. God, you don't care what me, I got you. Me, I your faithful son. Me, I your faithful daughter, Jesus. Me, just I walk out myself. Don't you care, God? Don't you care? Don't you care, God? You want to know when time that happened what Jesus said? I don't know what the name is. Maybe it's not Martha. Whose name can I call? Can I call anybody's name? I'm not going to call anybody. I'm going to use Martha. So Martha is carrying on. Well, God, God, you don't care. You don't care. You don't care. In God, we're going to get me here to do some of the work. God, we're going to get my wife to do some of the work. I'm alone in this, God. I'm alone. I spend the whole of the money. God, I might pay alone. I don't, God. I'm alone. I do this, God. When, when, when should I get her involved, God? Should we get involved in other work? I see one thing the wife said. God, a time for you get the husband involved. A time for you take up him, him manly, him husband responsibility in this house, God. I feel like I'm alone. Like I'm a single parent in a marriage. God, Jesus said, Martha, Martha. You know, sometimes Jesus calling him two time problem daddy. <laughs> so Jesus said, Martha, 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 Martha. Easy, easy, no, easy, no, easy, no, Martha. Easy, 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 no, easy, no, easy, easy, no, easy, easy, no, easy, 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 no, easy, 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 no, Audrey. easy, 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 go deal with this. Like, like she was going to say something. Like, oh, Martha, Martha, Martha. Easy. Jesus, easy the situation. And then he says this. The Lord answered. You are worried. <laughs> like, like I love what Jesus started. You are. She probably going to say. You are about worry. Me not worry about. You are worried and upset. About many things. About the curry upon his stove. The dish that we need to wash. The bathroom we're not clean yet. The dirty clothes in the barrel. The yard we're not rake up. The puppy we're not get feed. The clothes we're not hang up. The hair we're not do. The white clothes we're not soak up yet. The homework we're not get done yet. Jesus said you're worried about many things. But only one thing is needed. Come on, tell your neighbor. Only one thing is needed. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, thing. Listen, leave the, in other words, leave the food. Leave the clothes. Instead of you worry about the 23 dirty suit of clothes you have, 
Give God songs that you have on a clean one. And go and wear it until you can wash. Why you go have an argument over dirty clothes? Listen, listen, listen. You don't even invite anybody in your yard, so what if your house is dirty? Why you go fight about cleaning up your house when you don't have nobody coming there anyways? It's your house. Just sleep in it. Why destroy a relationship over a house when nobody now visit? You have a dog and a quarrel about feeding the dog. Give the dog away. Simple. You're go, you are going to make a dog destroy your family. So, yeah? You're going to get a divorce, destroy the life of your kids over a mongrel. Well, pastor is a German shepherd when he mixed with something, he's a mongrel. Easy, easy solution. He says one thing. You are bought only one thing. And he said, Mary has chosen what is better. In other words, God is saying, listen, there are many good things that you can do. Always choose to do what is better. Tell a neighbor, always choose what to do is better. What is better? Let me tell you again. It's better, it's better you don't cook the food and have peace in your house. Than quarrel every day and have dirty plates. Remember I told you what you need to do? If you don't like to wash plate, buy styrofoam. No problems. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. And Jesus goes for us and will not be taken away. No, that's part. That, that's, listen. I, I, I remember growing up as a child, my grandmother used to cook a lot of food because she believes that there must be food for people. All right. I remember my aunt, you know, when my, my grandmother got older, here's what my aunt used to do. She used to say like, all right, Omar, eat one banana and two dumplings. That's two dumplings, one banana. Um, and, and she'd count out everything. And she'd count six bananas or eight bananas and how much dumpling and she'd do it like that. She'd prepare Right? She used our two pot, one for food, one for meat. Alright? You put your stuff in plastic, you eat it, you throw it away. No quarrel, you know. Because listen, she don't want to cook and then have to clean. And you're gonna quarrel every day about it. There are ways to do the one thing. Clothes don't have to be washed, you know. You don't have to wash them. If you have a problem washing clothes, just don't wear them. Because let me yeah, I'm, 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 let me help you. It's very simple because you have to choose to do what is better. If you're a male, you don't need 20 jeans. You don't need 20 jeans. You need a black jeans. And a blue jeans. And you interchange. You, you don't need white, you don't need red, you don't need three blue, you don't need four black. One black, one blue. 
if you have a problem and it's going to destroy your marriage, you buy a black shirt, a blue shirt, and a white shirt. Because it's better you save your kid's life and your marriage than fight about clothes that fade away and get destroyed. Choose to do what is better. The first thing that we must remember is that we are dealing, when we are dealing with trouble, we must have proper perspective. Martha's problem is often our problem. We get too busy to experience God. We come to church and get wrapped up in doing church work and the various tasks that we forget. We are here to be with God. We are called to service and must take an active role in ministry, but not to the sacrifice of our spiritual well-being. Right? Because we sometimes equate with being busy with being spiritual, and the two could not be further apart. Being busy don't mean that you're being spiritual. Choose what is better to do. Trouble also requires us to evaluate our priorities. It is God first, and then your family, and then church, and those things. It's God first, and then your family. God first, and then your family. God first, and then your family. Spend time with your family. Don't get so busy. Listen, you can be replaced in the church. You cannot be replaced in your family. There can be an ex-pastor, but there will not be an ex-father for your kids. You can be replaced in the church. We are not indispensable in the church. In our families, we are indispensable. There can be no other biological father and biological mother but you in your family. Pay attention to your family. One of the difficulties for many Christians is that we have our priorities wrong, our wrong priorities. Jesus made it clear that we are meant to have one priority and him. You are not too busy for God. You are too busy for yourself. Listen, if you really want to spend time with God and do God's work, you will make the time. Something else is your priority. And that's it. All you need to do is to change your priorities and then you'll realize how much time you have. It's not a matter of time. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, time is not the issue. Priority is. And I know that because if you change your priority, you'll find the time. If you fix your priorities, you'll find the time. Uh, have you ever said, I want to be in ministry, but I don't have any time? If ministry becomes your priority, you'll make whatever you have as your top priority, you make time for it. Simple. Because right now, the person who says they have no time for ministry, if Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright come, they have time for date. They have time for counseling. They have time to plan the wedding. They find time to be at the wedding. They create in their schedule time for the honeymoon. If they want kids, they've set up time for when to get pregnant. They allocate time for the nine months off. So you have the time. It is a priority that needs to be fixed. Because you put time where you place priority. Trouble reminds us of our need to pray. When you're in trouble, pray. You're in the lion's den, pray. In the fiery furnace, pray. You see, trouble cannot take away our peace. And I'll close with that. No matter what storm cloud 
may rock the ship of mine. I'm telling you, I'm not going to, come on, come on, come on, just lift your hand and say, I'm not going to allow anyone or anything to take the peace that God has given me. You have to protect that peace. Jesus Christ died so that you would experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. Do not allow anyone or anything to take your peace. Listen, I'm going to use my two sons as an example. Sometimes I feel like they want to take my peace. And sometimes I feel like they want to, they want to mince me up in pieces. I'm telling you. In one moment. And then in the next moment, I, I, listen, I'm livid. And, oh, and the next moment is the most joy and laughter. And I always look at those moments and say, then why was I going on like that? You understand me like, you, you're a giant. You can't go out with it. We're going to go to bed. And sing. And then the next moment, you're gone in the room reading bed night story. Then you say to yourself, then was all of that necessary? It happens in marriage. Like, if you're not going to divorce, people give up God's peace for a little conflict in their marriage. In other words, they get vexed. Let me turn on this side. I'm looking at you tonight. No, next week, next, next week. Listen, I'm just, I just need a break. I need a break. All of that to be with the next person, the same person, next week. What, so what was the point of all the attitude? What, what did it do? How did it make you better? How did it enhance your relation? Well, let me just never get it off of my chest. It never needed to be there. You need to keep the peace of God on your chest so you don't bring troubles and stress on it. As much as it is up to you, do what? Live at peace. And wives. <laughs> and, and wives. Yeah? And, and wives. And wives. So, so the, the point is that we trade the peace of God for moments of self-gratification and self-happiness so that we can be one up, so we can get back. All right? Well, you do me something bad, so, well, give me a little time to get back at you. All right? Now that I've gotten back at you, woo! All right? Leave all vengeance to God. Because when you give up that peace, you leave your heart in a troubled place and when you're in a troubled place, most times we make permanent decisions when our hearts are in temporary states of trouble. And those permanent de- decisions affect us and generations after. So be careful what decisions you make in the temporary state you're in that affects your life permanently. Listen, I want to bow your heads with me this morning or this afternoon. I want to close in prayer. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you because the heart is a seat of our emotions, our thinking, our intentions. And if our heart is troubled, it means that we are not trusting God. And if we are not trusting God, it means that we are at the mercy of the enemy creeping in 
and just messing up the relationships in our lives and messing up our relationship with God. In fact, there's an old song that you sing called Trust and Obey. To be happy in Jesus. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Trust in God and your heart will not be troubled. The song that we did first this morning, it says you are up to something good. And that song is a song that speaks to the character of God more than the intentions of God. And so though I don't see the outworking a thing that is up to something good, I trust him. God, I trust you that in the midst of my trouble, you're up to something good. In the midst of the Red Sea, you're up to something good. In the midst of the lion's den, you're up to something good. In the midst of the fiery furnace, you're up to something good. You are always up to something good. And so this morning, Lord, I thank you for every person in this room, for those whose hearts are troubled. Oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus that God, they will begin to trust in you with all your hearts. That they will believe that you exist and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. I pray in the name of Jesus that those who are troubled in heart this morning will seek you first. Your kingdom and your righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. As the psalmist says, I trust in God. I will not be afraid. What can men, mortal men, do to me? So I pray in the name of Jesus that God... uh, They would just trade this morning all the troubles for a peace that you offer. That they will cast their cares on you because you care for them. I pray for those who are tied up in emotional stressful situations and mental stressful situations. I pray, Lord God, that they will lay those burdens at your feet. For they are too heavy to bear. And pick up your burden that is light. I pray, Lord God, that instead of trying to fix it and work it out, they will leave out of self-reliance and come to a place of total surrender to the working of your Holy Spirit. Bless every person in this room right now in the name of Jesus with the spirit and the power of the almighty God fill them to the overflow let them experience the goodness of God in the midst of what they are going through right now I thank you that they are going through it they are not stuck they are going through and when they get out they will be better than when they started the journey We thank you. God, we give you all the glory. It's all about you. These 20 years and beyond. It's all yours. It's your work that you have called us to partner with you in. And we say thank you, Lord, for calling us to join you in this great thing that you're doing. Have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen and amen. Come on, just stand to your feet and give the Lord a big hand clap.
Come on, just stand to your feet. Give him a big hand clap. Hallelujah.